Welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I am rocking a stylish cardigan today. Hmm. Excellent. Again, this is a podcast and Katie is harping on visuals. (laughs) Certainly not a Cosby sweater. Cosby sweater. No, we have to come up with a new name. God, he ruined everything. Not everything. I mean, well, pretty much I mean, a lot of things are them, fine. Yeah. We'll make it a, car- yeah. a Carlton, he, Carlton sweater. It's a Carlton sweater. No, Carlton was like creepy. Wore, no, yeah, yeah, he wore some good bold sweaters. He no, had a good no, pattern. He he, they were he like good patterns. There were patterns. You're on missing many. the whole point. I am going to post oh, a picture God. of him. Uh, and <laughs> now this podcast. Wearing a cardigan we are now officially. We are. Didn't Mr. Rogers wear a cardigan? They were always yes, but they were always plain. They were plain colored. We are now strictly a knit outerwear podcast. It could yes. be a Mr. Rogers Ooh. cardigan, but the prince. I fucking hate sweaters. Prince, that was very emphatic. Like sweaters, did, did to wear them. To the wear the F word? That was like a, that, you hate them that much? I was trying well, something. Well, do you know what, Katie? Just to give you an idea. <laughs> yes, on a podcast he did because no one could see his anger oh, because, again, people cannot visualize I'm talking to the people who are happening. looking at us. I see you. I All right, see you, let's Facebook do this fans. Okay. I love you. Uh so today we're kicking off our Oscar month uh, with the film that won Olivia Coleman and Best Actress Oscar in 2019, mm. The Favorite. But first, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking this episode? So this episode, um, last week I was in Kentucky, got to visit yeah. uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery. Exciting, got to, very uh, jealous. Drive very around jealous. to six different liquor stores trying to find... Uh, a rare bottle of bourbon. I actually found it. This is Stag Junior that I'm having, um, in my Empire tumbler that uh, Keenan yes. gave me for my 40th birthday. That's so nice, and it is delicious. It is a very strong bourbon. At a, I think this one's 128 proof, so you need wow. some some water to knock it down. But it is delicious. A, a real man wouldn't need water. He would drink. No, no, everybody does. Oh, you oh, drink your. Are- it's a challenge. Drink Throwing your whiskey as you barbs. will. Brian, mm-hmm. you like yours with ice. So <laughs> I know I'm joking. I don't care. It's rare that the you burn. do that, though. Uh, Katie is drinking the One Hope Vintner Cabernet Sauvignon, and it is delicious. That's it. Ah, fantastic. Uh, since we are delving into the world of England, I am drinking Samuel Smith uh, Oatmeal Stout. Oh, we Samuel saw that. Samuel Smith, yeah. the brewery Very nice. uh, that uses uh, water that was originally started in 1758. That's confusing to me. What? Um, mm. It was a well that was dug, and they mm-hmm. used that well water uh, mm-hmm. in Yorkshire uh, yeah. to use their to brew their beer with. I feel like you need to say that in a different no, way because it just feels like you're saying that they use old water and that doesn't make it sound good. I don't want old water. Well, all water is old. Isn't yeah. water like like matter? It can't be created or destroyed. Right? Oh, that's I mean, very interesting. Like, that's that's fascinating. We only have now so much water. water podcast. <laughs> science! It's about as good I as it gets I, here. I was really bad at science. Mm, um, I love I science. Awesome I science. love science. Yeah, I was not. I, I was I just convincing that. our science person the other day to bring back the science fair. I think so they're called me? teachers. Oh, you Jim? don't have a science fair? No, we have like a dedicated science person. She's not. Mm. She's like a special How science How do you not person. have a science fair? We don't have a science fair. I know. I was like, Jim and I I need to be science fair parents. We I would be fake awesome Hollywood science glass fair in my science fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. I did so many great mm-hmm. things for the science fair. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. All right. I love it. Wait till we tell um, Lily what her project is going to be. <laughs> wait till you do her project for her. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> good at a trifold. Office. I'm really good at a trifold display. Uh, oh, wow. That That's contrasting not, nothing says cutting edge science paper, like a colors. trifold board. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Last week we did uh, do the right thing. Fantastic movie. Uh, I actually saw a lot of people were referencing it this mm-hmm. week. Uh, it's a, you know coming off its 30th anniversary. So again, feel free to check that out. Also, we didn't break it up, but um, there's a great unspooled episode in which Spike Lee is actually the guest. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, I would like to listen he, to that. He was unavailable for our. I enjoyed, guest, you but. know, I, I have conversation with folks about like what movie we're watching each week. People ask the questions and just overwhelmingly positive response to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like every person who has seen that movie, I feel like mm-hmm. it sticks with them and they like just impressed so much by it. So you know what? If those people have not written a review for our show, do not give them free content. <laughs> Don't don't talk to him. Yeah. 
be like, you know what? Write when the review, review, then I'll subscribe. Right, Jimmy, Jimmy Costanza, yeah, that's make, at you. And if you could make, do make it, write the review. Phone out, write a review, <laughs> subscribe, and then you'll talk. If you could do it in a, in like a, a Rosie Perez accent, of yeah. Awesome. Oh, Ooh, you, would better. you like me to try that? No. That would be or do like an interpretive dance, like she did at the beginning yeah. of Do the Right. I couldn't thing take my eyes off of that dance. Fight the power. Couldn't take my eyes off of it. Fight the power. That would be great. Okay, so we hinted at this this month. Other than our next week's episode, which is our annual Valentine's uh, Day episode, uh, we will each be picking an Oscar mm. um, winning performance or film or, you know, some of it in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, we're starting out with my choice, the favorite, which won an Oscar for Best Actress in Olivia Coleman. Uh, and then we have some good ones from both Jim and Katie later in the month as well but for the favorite it's rundown time and here is katie <clears throat> oh do i get do i get audio rundown do i get oh, some you sounds do. i forgot this week on the rundown katie will describe like the favorite you know like scrolled it out in parchment i kind of want to have like that mid-atlantic accent for this though hmm. too like hello welcome to this week I'm Dan Rather. Yeah. Queen Anne has persistent gout, 17 bunnies, an explosive stomach, and a lady lover who wears the pants in the kingdom. When Lady Lover Marlborough's cousin lady maid makes a play for the queen, the game is afoot with gout. That's it. <laughs> with gout. Yep. I mean, that's really um, the whole basis. That's for the basically game. the that's movie. Like yeah, that, that's, uh, that's yes. all about that foot. Mm -hmm. This was, mm -hmm. was without a gout. My favorite movie <laughs> I saw in the theater. How many in gout puns can we make? Oh, a lot. I so have many. A, I have an entire list of oh, gout. Oh yes, right. I am so sad. What's I'm it all about? Pun oh, is the lowest is, form of humor. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it. It is. It's so great, though. It's so great. Um, Goutful. <laughs> I love it. I hate it so much. Keep it going. <laughs> well, this will I'm not end. <laughs> what a gout this film did you like, Jim? All right. When um, in when in gout, trust your we're, we're, <laughs> We gotta talk about this movie. We, we need are. to fact check what gout is for next week because Jim it, and I were telling stories I, about I it. I told you what it is and I didn't even, I, I know. You what, just know what gout is. It's the buildup of uric acid in joints. I so think. do some people just have it and some people don't? Is it brought on by some sort of a I, thing? I don't know like why, like why do you focus? But I feel like certain kinds of people get gout. Right? It was what? pretty common. Or was is gout, that, am I confusing it with gangrene? Check. No, gangrene is like when it's infected. You yeah, get like gangrene an infected, is, like, is, is like wound infection. Okay. Gout, I'm pretty sure gout is what all the one of the, and I'll have to double check this because I haven't taught uh, exploration in a while, but I think a lot of people, that's what they used to get a lot on ships no, when that's they were scurvy. coming over from here. Well, that is well. <laughs> I thought they it was gangrene. Scurvy. So is like an erotic massage considered like a no. normal treatment for no. gout? No. Is that? Don't think so. No. I don't think this is uh, why I would never want to live in the past. This film, medicine. Yeah. When you look at the med, when you're putting a ribeye steak or whatever the hell that thing is yeah, yeah, on yeah. someone's wound, mm -hmm. and that is what is deemed to be proper medical care, yeah. Yeah. you are in a lot of trouble. Yep. Um, a yep, lot yep, of yep, potential yep. trouble. All right. So this film is a uh, loosely based <laughs> um, historical tale of Queen Anne's reign. Yes. Um, and the director, uh, Yargis Lanimus, who I love, was very unique. Um, I, Jim, you probably haven't seen his other films, but I have recommended to you before The Lobster. Which I own I, it. It was like $9 on, on uh, iTunes, so I bought it, but I haven't yeah, watched it yet. Very weird. Yeah. But super cool. Uh, Olivia Coleman is in that as well with okay. Colin Farrell and a lot of other people. John C. Riley, right? 
yeah, does some does just really unique, different films. The Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, which mm. I would recommend, which is right now either on Prime or Netflix. I, I can't remember which one. Yeah. Uh, yes, very like his he is thematically his films are very different from film. I shouldn't say thematically. The themes are very similar in all the films, but the the style or the type of film yeah, is very. Different. I mean, right off the bat, I, w- I would say this film. Having not read the script, I don't. I'm assuming that the script could have been very much um, filmed in a way that would have made this seem like the crown or or any of these like period period pieces, pieces right? that are sort of like they feel like homework sometimes to watch or just I think you need to be in a certain mood to kind of you know immerse yourself in that world if it makes sense. Um, but I think I immediately thought like the director made this, um, you know, super interesting and, and entertaining, you know, it was funny. It was weird. It was all the things that we, that we like about movies that I think, um, you know, any other period piece of this time could just feel stuffy and not at all human. And I think it, it uh it felt way more real i think to me than a lot of the other period pieces that i've seen i thought like i thought it was a really interesting like balance of tone in that it's very very like dark comedic mm-hmm. right you, oh, yeah. you get this like kind of like sick humor in some places like violence but then all, but it like it pl- plays it right where it never, it yeah. never feels too much um, so just that, right? Like the what? balance between the like sickness and the comedy is tricky, but then also you still like sympathize with like to me, Anne still becomes this very full character, sure, who you you end up like really sympathizing with, right. and so to find that through those pieces, like that's a really difficult balance. And I think yeah. that's a they they use like. He used a basically like a British humor too, oh, like which, was, which is always flawless. Yeah, yeah. let's be honest, um, it's always flawless. Because he, <laughs> one of the first jokes in the movie that made me like laugh out loud is when the Queen's talking about the war, and she says, "Ah, oh, we've won" or something like that. And and one of the, I don't know if it was um, Sarah or the uh, or one of the, you know, people of Parliament or whatever says like, "Oh, but that was just a piece. We need we need to continue." And she says, "Oh, I didn't know that." Like, it's just like many people are yeah. going to die. And, uh, so, so Olivia Coleman is Queen Anne, who's, yeah. you know, not to delve into the historic reign of Queen oh, Anne. Oh, please do. It's actually uh, the thing I was most looking forward to about tonight. Oh, really? Tell, did, well, um, I did a little homework, Bri, but I want to hear it from the history teacher. So, I mean, she was not an all-time great monarch. Played brilliantly by Olivia Coleman, obviously winning the Oscar. Though, I'm not sure she was... Uh, Olivia Coleman was amazing. I'm not sure she was my favorite actress in the film, but I still thought she was amazing in it. Uh, but her reign was very much controlled by her friend Sarah. Yeah. Um, played by Rachel Wise in this. Um, Much better eyebrows. Of, mm, yes. yes. The mummy. Of, First time we've seen her since the mummy. Yes. <sighs> what a, what a step it. up. What a step up. Um, the Duchess of Marlborough, whose husband was, in fact, a, a great military general for uh-huh. the English. Uh, and they based this friendship in Lady Sarah's reign. And she's very domineering and controlling over Anne. Uh, as the basis for, I think, this exploration of power, mm-hmm. in, you know, in corruption of power. And then Emma Stone plays Abigail, who is Rachel Weiss's cousin, who was also a real figure. So mm-hmm. there are three real figures. There was a dynamic of power struggle between the three, which is real. Um, it's pretty much believed the lesbian relationships involved were probably not real. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That that was something that was added. But I thought in an interesting way. So I thought that actually brought something to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also felt that this film is most interesting because the period element of it and the history of it is almost irrelevant. <laughs> and I'm actually very pleased about that. And, like, well, I don't feel like you need to know. This could have just been a made up story. Sure. And I would have been, you know, you could have but, almost well, been fine with it. Go ahead, you go. Well, I was going to say the only counterpoint to that I would say is that 
that power dynamic only makes sense in a monarch where someone that's completely worthless can be in charge to the point yes. of like no one being in opposition. Right? True. Like like there's no one in this movie who's going to take on Anne other than Sarah. No, there's nobody that can. Right. Which and, is a and, whole commentary. And it's because itself, she's she's a monarch. She there yes. she cannot be removed from what she, she cannot be, you know, no one yeah. She could basically say you're dead and you're dead. Well, and I thought similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the pieces of the story that are based in reality, to me, added to the movie. And because that whole notion of like truth being stranger than fiction, you know, like that these were real people like though I mean, um, you know, that I thought that the bunnies, I was reading about that, you know, so like uh, Ooh, the bunnies, right? So the bunnies would not have been real. Well, like explain Queen that Anne for did the, not. For so anyone. there's, so Queen Anne has 17 bunnies in cages in her room, and they're like, they're her, her pets, they're her loves, and they because hop, they hop about the room. Miscarriages or so all know, of the bunnies are children. named for her dead children, the children that would never live right. to be her heir. Um, and so again, it, there's this sadness, but it it's balanced with this community. Like there's just bunnies hopping around the room all, yeah. all the time. Right. Um, and so I thought that was fascinating that like the director played on this real thing, which was that she had 17 miscarriages or stillbirths, um, and found a way to, to bring it into the film. Like, I I really appreciated those pieces of reality because it it to me it added a whole layer of like I wanted to know more you know like yeah. I I wanted to like take a dive into I Queen Anne is not somebody I knew anything about no and, and you so, wouldn't I don't think That's, right you know, and so I thought that was really cool that queen. I I I enjoyed that there was this piece of reality to the movie to me it added it just added depth yeah I think the the bunnies in particular. When they were when they're introduced and you kind of realize what they represent, you know, you have the sadness of her telling the story, and then you have like sort of like the whimsicalness of like now there's these bunnies and they're like her children, and and you know they're gonna take one out for a walk or whatever like that, and they're gonna they're gonna and you see them here and there, and but by the end of the movie you are sort of seeing them behind the scenes and like just hopping around, and we talked about. That sort of he he kind of the director sort of took that idea and just kind of wove it through the film in a way that like that the weight of those children or lack of having those children are just is just always present for her. Yeah, I, I thought that I thought that was a really interesting article that I read from a historian thinking through like the oh, choices okay. that the director made mm. in, you know, in what were the pieces that were completely fictionalized and what yeah, were the pieces that were great, though. real. I, yeah. I, and I, I yeah, I liked it. I think as long and they were very open about this, that you're not saying that this is everything that's real. He goes, mm -hmm. you know, it's a great dose of. Sure. Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's my only problem with. And I don't I'm not a huge biopic fan. I don't really consider this a biopic. And I don't think this oh, was no. ever sold as a biopic. This is you like know, Quentin when, Tarantino when, history. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting in terms of that choice. Uh, what they wanted to do. This was a film that I found and occasionally we talk about it. I thought the editing of this film was great. Um, the use of the slow dissolve, which is, I almost feel is like amorish at times. Like that's like something you like to do when you're learning to edit. Like you're going to do this slow dissolve. Like yeah. you can do that when you do like pictures and nice montages for their presence. <laughs> but the, the way they did it, and yeah. what he would do, like at the points where it was like the power dynamic of at one point it was Olivia Coleman's face and then it would be Abigail's. And it was that like back and forth of who's in a position of power at any given moment was really interesting. I another thing that I felt like this movie brought to light for me was I don't think I ever there. I haven't seen another movie that made me really experience what it would be like to be in one of those like vast cavernous sorts of castles buildings mm -hmm. at nighttime um you know it you know at a time before we had electricity so the use of the candlelight and the darkness 
I, to me, there was just a whole mood to this film that was yep. all about the use of light and darkness and specifically the candlelight. Talk cinematography of this film for hours. It was so cool. I, it was yeah. So, the so Brian, choices I, they made with let's it. talk about one thing that we don't yes. see a lot in other movies is the use of the fisheye lens yes. here because it's so, used a lot. He used in this film uh, the really kind of warped one, the yes. very fisheye yeah. extended. What was a six millimeter, which you almost never. I mean, that as you see, you almost never see the use of that. He was also using a lot of 10 millimeter, which is, I think, what achieved exactly what Katie was talking about. It was almost a panoramic view of the entire room. So every sequence, you almost saw the ceiling, the mm -hmm. floor, all the other things. It was immersive. Uh, it's almost like I feel like when you see those virtual reality things, they always yeah, yeah. you step in it and you can spit you like live in that space. Because uh, apparently this is and I, I didn't have time to check with other ones, but they were saying this is a castle that is used for lots of movies. Oh, okay. wow. So you would be it, it, movies that everybody would know. So you should be familiar. But it didn't feel like it. Yeah. Because unlike all these other period pieces, almost if you look at most period pieces, the way they film it, you get the wide establishing shot so you can see the full costume. Right. And then it's a lot of waist up stuff. So you're not getting, I think, the full feel of what these rooms look like. And the way they light <clears> it is usually not with that natural light. They're usually quite bright, the films. Yeah. Uh, this one is a keen uh, to Kubrick and Barry Lyndon um, and also kind of Terrence Malick-esque with all natural light. They try to use all natural light um, and they pulled it off, I think, really well. Uh, but I also liked um, where it was most striking to me is some of the outdoor sequences. Yeah. You know, where they were, for example, where they were doing the um, shooting. Yeah. You know, the deep focus by using those lenses that, you know, it was almost like no foreground, middle round. Back. Every element was visualized to almost make it feel like a documentary or you were living in the space, mm -hmm. um, which was pretty crazy, I thought. I I also loved the like the color or lack thereof, you know, there was a lot of black and white. Mm -hmm. um, her, the ornateness of her bedroom, like the the overlapping of tapestries, like her walls were so busy. Um, I don't know. I just thought there was so much of like visual interest. And then the use of the, the wigs, you know, it's, I, I don't know how historically accurate the size of those wigs were. But I loved the impact of like the men with just ridiculous yeah, wigs and the makeup yeah. like that they yeah. had their makeup was so dramatic in comparison to the women. <laughs> like there very much was a play there on like the male oh, female absolutely. dynamic and like Rachel Weiss's apparel mm -hmm. and how though she was supposed to be, you know, she would be the siren sort of right. Like the 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 attractive female that the queen sought. Um, but she was dressed in very, you know, what we would consider like masculine attire um, and minimal makeup. Like there was just an interesting play there. And then when mm -hmm. the men would come into the room with their like very pink cheeks yeah. and she would make fun of Anne when Anne would have her makeup done mm -hmm. for. <laughs> but wasn't that in essence, the men were what the women are in so many films. I think so. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like they were solely there for and I, I think if you really look at that what role did any man play in this movie that served much of a purpose other than being a plot device right which well, is one yeah. of the biggest critiques of how women are usually used in film correct what, as right. a love interest or a plot device not a character a way to just further the agenda of the lead characters and that's what the male characters in this movie were yeah, I mean, you had men kind of like trying to make a play for power, but ultimately, you know, through every, even the side characters, you know, like when Rachel Weiss gets, um, so she gets poisoned and then dragged through yeah. the forest and ends up in a cat house. But like, you know, there's a woman running the show there. Like yes. every like kind of side 
scenario you saw like there was still like a woman kind of in power and the yeah like the, the uh, small even, even when um emma stone comes into the house for the first time she meets the the head of like the you know the uh the help the the head of um the, the maids I guess. Mm-hmm. the maids yeah. yeah yeah the men were made to look very foolish very very like frivolous and silly almost not and not able to do important work yeah 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 it was fascinating no, i thought I, yeah fascinating. i thought that was i thought that was a fascinating element of the movie i think there's so much that's fascinating about this movie it, mainly at i think the core of it which i found really interesting is in the name in itself the idea of who's going to be the favorite of the queen but it's just this in general idea of um power Mm-hmm. You know, if you strip away the time period, you know, there are a lot of issues within it, I think, that are inherent to a modern time period. You oh, know, yeah. you have this almost idea of frivolous wealth, right? Just obscene wealth. Like you have this obscene wealth and then you're balancing the character of Anne who has this obscene wealth, but she's surrounded with filth and disease, you know, and, you know, to compare it to a, a modern time, we still have people with frivolous, obscene wealth and like the idea of disease and filth might not be realistic. It might be more metaphoric. Like, what are these people, you know, doing like these Epstein's and Harvey Weinstein, these people who have this like frivolous amount of wealth that they can, you know, throw fruit at naked people and, you know, do this just obscene stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting dynamic of seeing this, these people with power and wealth and what that means and what you're willing to do to achieve that wealth and what the consequences of that are. Well, I think that that's where you end up feeling as a viewer very sympathetic for Anne because there's definitely a piece where she is portrayed, you know, kind of weak and um, incapable of mm-hmm. really fulfilling her role, her station. Um, and I think that that can go very easily to a place where as a as a viewer, you can kind of like look down on her, or judge her. But I think you end up really sympathizing with her because it becomes clear how lonely, right? Like she spends so much of her time literally alone, like alone in her bedroom. And then, you know, realizes that these people, the the, the person, like the, her one person, really, like her childhood best friend, confidant, lover, like to realize like that that's the that's the person that you've got and that person's been p- pulling your strings all this time you know like man like that really messes with you so like I, I think how, where does, do you go but, from there but here's my question ultimately with that character and i think it's really interesting you feel a level of sympathy to it but it's also like i had this question in my mind that she ultimately has more power than anybody in this film Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how does she use that? And does she use that power (laughs) appropriately? And that's where I begin, like when I watch it the second time and you do, you have to feel a level of sympathy Mm -hmm. for it. But it's also like she is willing to use that power. To get things that if it were a male in a modern context, we would be disgusted by it. Like she's basically spinning her power into the, you know, almost like sexual exploitation yeah i mean did, do you think rachel weiss really wanted to be with her in a sexual capacity no or certainly was not it that she's you do you know what i mean so i thought that was just interesting to play a character like that because that's usually a dynamic of a male character doing that to a female character oh, and yeah. i was just i was curious you know and they i think she plays it very well that you feel a level of sympathy but you also have to think like she ultimately knows she can destroy any of these people. And that's what she did to Sarah in the end. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that say about her? Which I just think is an interesting dynamic of that character. Oh, but so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much, there's so much there. So I think you get a sense for the immaturity of somebody who grows up in that construct where from the time you're young, you know that 
like you will one day rule the kingdom like there's that like golden queen golden princess sort of thing right where like you are never the equal to anyone like you don't you don't have an equal you don't have a peer and so i i think you very much get a sense of like her really believing i i don't know i thought that the relationship with rachel wise like I mean, they're definitely using each other. Absolutely. But I think from the from Anne's perspective, there very much is a like a, a need, a want to like care for her. Right. Like to feel like she's like giving, giving to her like. I don't know. I. Yes, she at the end, she takes it all back. But I felt like that was the knee jerk reaction to realizing that she had been used. Jim. Yeah, I uh, I was kind of letting you guys run with that conversation. Yeah, didn't interest you. No, it does. I just I don't know what else there is to say about it after mm. you guys are. Yeah. I mean, I I think she I think for me the the most interesting theme in this movie is the the relationship between Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone mm-hmm. and how in the end uh, well, not the very end, but it, it, at the end of like their little spat, um, Emma Stone says, well, I won or something like that. And Rachel Weisz says, yeah, we're not playing the same game. Like it's a different game. And then, you know, Emma Stone realizes that she, what she did to get the quote unquote power that she currently has, which is basically just she realizes she's basically just another bunny. Like she's mm. just a representation mm. of something that is she's gone. Sarah, right? She, if she, she could was a technically bunny, be the bunny. Sarah. Right, right, right. Because Sarah is gone is dead. That relationship is dead. And right. she has become the bunny. Yeah, that I, is Sarah. I think that the, the ending leaves you with like so many questions of like, what, it, what's oh, the and by, intended meaning here? Right. But also the, by the way, the acting Emma Stone's acting just in the moment when she's rubbing her leg at the end and how you're sort of on that trip with her of like the realization of like, she's like, Oh my God, I'm doing the thing. I don't, this is awful. And then she's like, but I'm doing it because I'm, you know, it's giving me the ability to have these, whatever it looked like. She's having wild parties, orgies, whatever she's doing. These like yeah. world. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's what it's giving me. And then she sort of then just, clicks into this other mode of realizing like, oh, I am not like running the state like Sarah was. I am not Sarah. I am something else. Did she want to run the state, you think? I don't know. I I think that was an interesting dynamic. I don't know what she wanted because they they don't really give you a lot of insight to what she wants other than to not be someone of low class right so i think definitely there was a quest to like climb the social ladder right Right. so she once was of some sort of nobility and was sold by her father to pay a debt basically right or was lost in a game yeah um and then ended up as a servant and then married to an older man and like horrible situation Mm -hmm. and so very much is like climbing that ladder I so the end shot what you get is Emma goes to crush one of the rabbits right with her foot. Well, she's not so really Queen crushing. Anne, she's like, well, she's I mean, she's, she's does, messing with it. Does she's, enough yeah. to like make the rabbit. She's yeah, she's squealing. torturing. Yeah, totally. So Queen Anne is lying in bed, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't sure whether it was supposed to be like there was a realization there, like mm-hmm. when she, like she hears one of her rabbits. I think it was right. And so that makes no sense to me. The only my issue with that is because are we supposed to believe she saw her doing that? No, I thought she can't even see anything like written. I thought it was the sound. Yeah, the sound was pretty interesting. So I thought that there was a there was like some sort of a moment there where she it clicks to her that like if after all of those years that she thought that Sarah was like true to her, that all of that time Sarah had been stealing from her and kind of like using her as a puppet and then she has this moment of like i 
I don't know. I don't even know this person. Clarity? Like, clearly, clearly she's doing the same thing, right? This person that you thought was just this like sweet right, girl but that you could take care of, that you could pamper and give the things and she's going to make you feel good in your vajayjay. Um, yes. That like, she's like, oh, she's also like sadistic and power hungry. And so then you have this moment where the queen throws herself out of bed, demands, like gets herself to an upright position, demands that she comes over and rubs her leg and Emma Stone says, you need to lie down. And she says, no, I just need to hold on to something. And so there's this symbolic mm -hmm. moment of her standing upright, which is very difficult for her because her feet don't work well. Yeah. Standing upright, like clawing the hair out of Emma Stone's head, you know, in this like insistence of power sort yeah. of thing. Um and I think both of them are kind of having a moment of revelation. And then you get the bunnies. Yeah. Who it's very symbolic. Yeah. Now my interest I guess the interesting thing for me as I watched this, and having seen it a second time, um, was I I found myself looking at the three major characters and wondering, and I think this is maybe to a credit to the screenplay. I don't know, I I didn't hate any of them. But I also didn't love any of them. Do you think that it was there one that you were rooting for? The guy with uh, the let's duck. Say if we, oh, the guy well, with I the like duck. I like to love the guy I with love the duck. The guy I, with he's duck. not a main Jim, character. But. Jim, I think you should get a duck. A I could duck, see man. you. Actually, they were you know very elegant duck? looking ducks. They had very long necks and long bills. Do you know who could pull off a duck? you know who is cool enough to have a pet duck? Tim from Pop Addled. Tim he would have, have a pet duck. He could have a pet. Like, he's a cool enough guy that he could, like, pull that off, I think. He, I he'd like be it. like, yeah, this is I my duck. Know. I liked the ducks. Uh, I liked, Keenan can't be trusted with again, the duck. Again, the frivolity no, of Keenan the ducks. with a duck at all. I like that. Okay, so. <laughs> but no, so, I don't think you're supposed to like any of them, right? Like, none of them. No, are I think they're all supposed to be likable. But there are parts of each of them that I found to be relatable. And maybe that's the genius of sure. the direction and writing of this. Like, and I think the one I struggle the most with is maybe Emma Stone's character. Oh, yeah. She just comes because, off as because I'm not sure she's no good. I'm never. Yeah, but I'm never really sure if the Emma Stone Abigail we see at the beginning is if is there anything good in her? And and what or is it an act? Do do you know what I mean by that? Like I, I get that she was probably raped and she was so and all that type of stuff. But was there still a level of innocence in her where she was humbled and her ability to just want to rise to power and then the corruption that that power allows her because how oh, she see, is I saw treated. that differently. Or yeah, how did you? But but that's what I'm saying, so, Jim. I'm not sure, so I'm interested that how did you see that character? Because I struggle, yeah. even in the second viewing of of trying to figure that character out. Because I think they layered it so well. I think, and she says, there's a moment she says something about, um, what she has to do is going to start to get towards the edges of her morality, mm -hmm. um, and. I don't think it's the power. Yeah, it's interesting to the question. Obviously, does power corrupt, or does power allow corrupt people to do the things they want to do? Mm. That's a different. The it's like yeah. two sides. Yeah, I mean of the that's same interesting. Point. Like, yeah, but, what is he saying with that? I'm but with her, with her, I got the feeling that like her coming into that situation, she was already on the other side of the of the illusion of power and the game. Like she's yeah. coming into it as someone that doesn't give an F about any of it because she knows that it's all fleeting and it can go in a second. And okay. she, she has no like hangups about doing what she needs. Like I didn't even believe when she said that thing about it getting towards the end of her edge of her morals. I, you I, thought so I she was wanna, willing to do anything. I just want to question something that you said. I just think she didn't, she didn't want to stand on the ceremony of like what they thought was right or wrong. Right, like the, the and and that's a whole other topic. Is like this for me. This whole time period and, and the and the the ceremony of like what's proper, what's not, what's sinful, what's moral, what's not, is just maybe like the worst level of like hypocrisy. But um, 
Yeah, like, I, I don't know. She, good. What was your well, question? So, uh, you said um, that she's already on the other side of the illusion of power because she realizes that it can all be fleeting. But to me, you get the, Im you get the impression very early on that she doesn't want to stay in that servant class. Yeah, no, no, right? no, no. Like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't and, think that's what, that's, yeah, I, I know so what you're like saying. So, like, she, uh, to me, she will do whatever's necessary to rise. Right, right, but it's because, yes, and she, but I feel like she is free of knowing that, like, you don't need to do it the right way, right? Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, no, she'll do whatever it takes. Right, right. And I think that, like, her backstory to me, so the only sympathy I think that's there for that character is recognizing how her situation, what happened to her, has turned her into the person that she well, is. Well, you also yeah. get you you also get her when she first gets to the castle. She's treated pretty poorly the first couple minutes, so that you, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a device for you to feel some sympathy for this character that's going to go on to do more awful things. Yes, but I also think that the way she reacts to those scenarios shows you that like. She's been treated horribly right. for years. Right. Like this isn't shocking to her. Right. This is just like like she walks in covered in mud, like yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. You know, like well, I've been covered in mud for years. Right. Yeah. Like, and what I are you gonna found, do to me? I found it really uh, her character I found interesting in the sense that if you think about it, so she poisoned, but I didn't know if it was like poison to the point that she wanted to kill. That's what I didn't get. No, it seemed the like was she, supposed expected, to die. she expected Sarah to turn back up. Like yeah. what, like her reaction to that was kind of like, she said to the guy that she ends up marrying, like she would have gotten really sick. Yeah. yeah she'd be, she'd she be just wanted, well that, that's now. what, that, now yeah. this is a sequence I found really interesting was when she does come back and they're at the piano concerto and stuff like that. And Emma Stone basically says like, I, I, I had, well, thank you, Jim. That's why you are our musical expert. Um, I believe you, E. Lewis and the U's used that on one of their songs. Peter Cetera definitely has used it before. Um, but the, the line where she's like, I had to do that to you because you, and she had in the scene before that, Rachel Wise was like, I'm going to destroy you. You're done. You're finished. You're not going to anything. And she says to her, I needed to secure myself to be able to get where I needed to be. I'm like, can we call a truce? And it's clear she doesn't want to be in a yeah. position of power. And that's what I found really interesting was. And then that puts it back, I think, in some respect on the Rachel Wise. Well, and she's saying, listen, if totally. you want to be this like leader of government and stuff, have at it. I just wanted yeah. to be in a nice room totally. in the castle with a husband. We could we could call a, a truce here right now. It's your choice. And she goes, nope, we're going to keep going because, you know, this attitude of there can't be both of us here. And I thought that was interesting. Could they yeah. have coexisted? And people in power do that all the time, right? It's, it's like, like the wire. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you watch these things like when you watch like uh, The Men Who Built America, which is a great documentary and it's about all these rich guys and they're like, we can't be rich together. I have to be better than that rich person. And if that means we have to destroy things, so it's be it. Little, and, uh, and it's like celebrated. It's a little Bruce Springsteen. So Emma Stone just wanted, she just wanted to get a little something. Get a little gonna, something for yourself. Get a little being, something for yeah, myself. Be an author. Yeah. Get a little, just something. Want a little something for myself. So one was, of you wanted an author. Now one here's you my question. You're going to have to settle for rock, rock and roll. And roll. <laughs> here's my question for you guys. Was Sarah sympathetic at all? Because I don't, I think don't find. So. Well, you know, yeah. I can find sympathy in Sarah because I feel like I recognize. I recognize her in certain folks that I've that I've seen throughout my career as being like the the quote unquote right hand man to a person in charge who is she's Stringer Bell. Yeah, she's Stringer Bell, right? She wants to do whether she thinks she's doing the right thing, right? And yeah, she but, go no, ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, you no, you finish. You finish. But and I think I think uh it's hard to make her seem sympathetic in in this story because I don't think we got enough of her 
early relationship with Anne and her other dealings of state, which may or may not have shown us that she was like a pretty important part of what was happening. I think you understand that, like you know that she was, but I don't think we don't we don't have any decision or anything that she has done correctly to say that like she is the person who is basically helping in make all the right choices. And I think and, if we did, me, we maybe. would feel a little differently, I think. And I think probably historically, this is where if you delve into the real character, she was very unlikable. And well, I'm wondering and- if that's why they steered away from that a little bit with yeah. some of the stuff you read, like the things she said about Anne in real life. Like if you go to the real life ones, like being her friend was like living in a dungeon was one of the quotes. And she was, you know, call her fat and like all the, and I was wondering like, did, was that purposeful? Do you know what I mean? Where she was a little bit more harsh because that's how she was. I think she was very life. harsh. I mean, so to me that, the question of is she sympathetic is answered in those moments where she is like downright violent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you can argue that Anne is, Anne is also, they are, they are violent and explosive with each other at times, mm-hmm. but it did always feel like the, the physical and emotional abuse from Sarah to Anne like she had more power in that dynamic. Right, but it's not see it's not abuse see there were parts of it that didn't feel like it was abuse for the sake of power over Anne. Mm. It's felt like it was it was abuse to get her to get Anne to do the things that she needed her to do for the for the state. Mm. Yeah, but do you know what? I think maybe the reason I'm I'm less drawn to the character of Sarah it's is one of the things that infuriates me the most is that she's a character that uses, you know, I'm doing this for the people. Right, right. As as the excuse for her desire to maintain power. Right. And I think that I, I partly wondered if if Yargis was doing this with this idea of you know, hammering home this idea of how frequently people use the name of the good of the people and they they become so detached from that. It's just about power. Like, yeah. is she really doing this for the good of England or is this a way for her to consolidate power against Harley, Nicholas Holt, who was great in this movie as just this like crazy. You, you, know, you want to get punched? Carry. I mean, he was just I thought he was he's so good in everything he's in. But that I mean, maybe that's what drives me. I I think I I felt like there was almost a Dick Cheney-esque quality to what she was doing in this film that, you know, like Adam McKay hit a little finger. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a little finger from that. But in that I I was I thought it was hard for her or for me to find moments like even when they're like write a letter to her. You know, write a letter to Anne at the end. Tell her how you're feeling. And I think you got the glimpse of what, in essence, she really felt about Anne. Yeah, yeah. There was no moment of like, oh, man, you know, it was it was like, how can I spin this? Well, I know how I can spin her to get back into that grace. Like, mm-hmm. did she really care about that friendship or did she care that not she at that was point. no longer running? Well, that's the other thing, though. You can't you can't take the end of their friendship and relationship and and base the whole relationship on that Mm -hmm. like how she felt in that moment no i get it but i'm wondering like it seemed to me that in the way they were playing Anne at the end even when she's asking about is the letter come for me or what you know yeah i can understand but that that relationship always meant more to olivia coleman's character than it did to um rachel weiss's yeah but rachel weiss was doing all the work in that relationship Uh, I guess, but to uh, what so end? To, was to she the, doing that every work end? Because, at, yeah, but was she doing <laughs> that work as a friend, or was she doing work because that was her job? Do you know what I mean? Like she wanted to achieve power. Well, Anne was solely a means to that end. So was she ever really Anne's friend, or was she smart enough to realize that being Anne's friend allowed her to be something more than that? I guess yeah, is my sure. question. I don't know. We don't know. We don't see that in the movie. But I you. I could also make a case of saying like, even if the first 10, 15 years of their friendship was true. Okay. That 
the things that she needed to do to to keep Anne even remotely useful as a monarch and keep their relationship in order would probably make her extremely resentful and hateful of the, of the relationship in the end. I don't True. know. No, that's fair. But that's it was fair. very one-sided in terms of... In this it film. It wasn't... Well, and apparently that is historically yeah. accurate in terms of like... She was putting, she was pushing for her political affiliations. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so much about helping her to be a good leader in terms of right. like listening to both sides. And oh, no, no, no. There no. was, it was very much her agenda. Right. So, right. That's very self serving. Yeah. All right. I feel like also, we've, done a, we've done a great job. Yeah. That's but I also great. wanted to say that I thought Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone also deserved some pretty high accolades. For oh, this, so. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I don't know this... how you could pick out Olivia Coleman as like the standout yeah. actress to me, the three of them yeah. together, I would hold them side by side. Yeah. I, I, I was one. I often think that when the Academy gives these wards, they go for the more, most bizarre character. Mm -hmm. do, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, she's going to play this. Yeah, yeah, the physicality of it and stuff because I, I agree with that. I also think this film, in some cases, has ruined me for period films. Oh, yeah, like the motion of the constant motion of the camera, the visuals of it. I feel like now, if I go to watch one of these period piece movies, I'm gonna be really bored. I'm yeah. gonna feel like they're so static, and there's nothing stat. This, this film's always in motion, and and it's you know. Yeah. costuming the way I, katie hit on it beautifully i thought the way they inverted the color palette instead of making the clothing be the thing that pops making it the you know the set design i i just yeah i don't the, know going back to watch one of these now i'm going to be really intrigued if i'm if it's just going to feel flat to me yeah it's like when you see and, and katie can speak to this being an english teacher it's like when you see a shakespeare done in a way that that we modern in in modern times we take the language to be very stuffy so the assumption is that like it was delivered stuffy and the people in the room were stuffy and it was like pinkies out and like blah 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 that was not the case because we know they were speaking the parlance of the times it wasn't like a stuffy language it was just yeah that's how they spoke they were so, making sex jokes and right. fart jokes right and, <laughs> yeah. and so like that they do that in this movie in a way that makes it feel more natural, even mm -hmm. though it's ridiculous and kind of they feel human. They right, they feel right. like humans, right? And not just like historical figures, right? Right. And you see that I, with like really well done Shakespeare. I feel yeah. Like, I yeah. I think you're. I, I have right. really starting this year. I have been really drawn to films that are very unique or different in many ways so i've already watched shape of water movies shape of i've already water. watched no not shape of water. i don't watch, you watch your shape of water? animal porn <laughs> your weird well so bu bunnies and ducks and yeah. orgasms there was oh some weird stuff in this hey listen throwing fruit at naked people is a little there was a quite an interesting hand job <laughs> sequence in this film there, yeah. were, there was a we lot and a monologue it was a hand job so during a monologue like we could talk about that typical sex it was a no. lot of no. uh yeah some strange stuff i just want to add right now <laughs> outdoor tree sex yeah it's important in back to back years I picked the most feminist film of 2019 with you, Eyes Wide Shut. Look. Eyes Wide Shut, that <laughs> classic feminist film. Uh, and then uh, The Favorite. Uh, by the way, this film also had the best dance sequence we've seen in a film since Mrs. Talmadge and Alex Finch and Chances Are. What about this? Dirty Dancing? Dancing was that for the queen at the party. Oh, that was oh no, what about... I thought it was the Emma Stone, Queen Anne. Oh, that, uh, that too. Was good. We could do that What about too? Oscar Isaacs and the Robot in Ex Machina? Oh, that was, no, that was pretty good, too. <laughs> I, we've had a lot of really oh, the book bizarre... Smart dance oh, the book smart dance oh, sequence. Smart, good so dancing. good as well. Um, so this film... Didn't like Dancing Perez pretty. at the beginning of Do oh, yeah. Thing. We've done a lot of good dancing. We've not done a musical, but I feel like we've done a lot of films that are... Have dancing and stuff in it. So the favorite... Was good. Definitely a must watch if you have not seen must it. Must watch. And streaming on HBO now. Yes, which is go great. We love that. If you have those things. All right, mm -hmm. it's time for Game of the Week. 
week's game of the week is Katie's least oh, favorite God, game, I think. I, I Can I skip them all? I don't want to. Yeah, just kidding. Just own kidding. it. One and done or skip it. And our films are all uh, we've had many uh, for a film uh, podcast with two 40 something white males. We have had a lot of female centric uh, films. All right. Here. I have to go uh, first because I always okay. feel like. I end up saying the same yeah, thing, you, we do. Okay. Not, right. and then it feels so you repetitive. Can go first. All right, let All me right. tell the choices. Okay, the choices are, and there were many different choices, but I went uh, uh, the favorite, the hours, book smart. This is which one do you hard. own? Just... Which one do you want and done? And which one do you skip? I'm just barreling forward on it, so I'm going uh, own it. The hours I could watch it every week. It's a masterpiece. Uh, one and done. The favorite beautiful movie. I'm gonna skip Booksmart. Ooh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I know. I it hurts. It hurts. You make me do this. You made me do it. This is a tough one. This was. They're all so hard, Brian. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. Well, we live together. Huh. <laughs> I don't, that's that's fair. Fair. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. You can't, you so, can't do it that uh, way. I am going to. <laughs> no loopholes. Then either. we can own two of them. <laughs> well, let's talk about the power structure in this three-person relationship. You cannot do it. Go get a steak for my life. Right, we'll save it. We'll, we'll FaceTime live you and so you can we, watch it. We only have the impossible burger meat with no steaks. Oh, oh no. Had, it's Jim, fake protein. Oh, Jim made oh, us fake that? protein tonight. It was delicious. delicious. How was it? It was, it was good. really right. good. I would try some fake. I would try fake protein he made us um, a uh, gardener's pie instead like shepherd's, of shepherd's pie it was like a shepherd's pie yeah. we made out of it. anyway free just super bowl ju- over here watch out own it just don't <clears throat> tell me well i'll go like this i'll, I'll go skip it <sighs> so hard i'm gonna skip the favorite Ooh. i'm gonna one and done the hours it's fine it's fine and i'm gonna own book smart okay all right i am going to skip the hours I am going to one and done the favorite. And I think I'm going to own book smart as well. Oh, wow. I thought we were going to have like the, I loved the favorite, but I just, I keep thinking about book smart and wanting alien didn't get to watch it. And I want to watch it with her. I feel like that is going to be one that every year or so, every few years book smart, you're going to be able to pull out and watch. Yeah. I have a feeling there are kids that are going to feel the same way I felt about can't hardly wait about book smart. So can and- I tell you, I was hanging out with uh, two, three other folks from my high school class today, and we we were talking How, about book were smart. You at the bush? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> we were in Philadelphia, surprisingly. Okay. Um, but it was just funny revisiting, like we we had our yearbook and we were going back through photos and kind of talking through those weird book smartish sort of relationships that play out in those final months of high school where like all the dynamics shift and it was just it was just a funny like <clears throat> real real life moment IRL all right, all right. you ready yeah. for five questions Brian? I love it ready for five questions let's go you want answers you want answers I want the truth what makes a man Mr. Lebowski what the fuck is the internet why? Why do I have to have eight whiskey sours, not four whiskey sours? <laughs> Are you clapping at the, na- a, the number two? Uh, I almost bought a Rick Dalton T-shirt this week. All right, you ready, popped, Brian? Popped up on my Facebook feed. I am ready. Let's go. Here thumbs we go. up or thumbs down? Pet names for friends or lovers, as Sarah uh, and Anne had for each other. I uh, down. Names. Thumbs down. I, I, Mister. Mister. Mr. Fellows, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, and those are true. <laughs> yeah, those were true. True. I need more wine. Those were okay. true. They and were. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan wait, of that. Wait, wait. We we also did want to know if you have ever had. This is like an addendum. One B. Yeah. Have you ever had a name? Has anyone ever given you a name? A pet name. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Is Pedro. Pedro. <laughs> no, I I'm guess not. Think, I don't think so. That is never. That was. I, I don't know. Some people are really into that thing, I guess. Right. I mean, which is fine. I you know what? I, I should say this. I am. I am thumbs down. If everybody knows the pet name, like if you feel the need to share the pet name with everybody, 
I, I think that's a little weird. If you and your loved one want to do it, then that's fine. Did Jim just almost stab you? What no, it's I a, thought it was like a soldering iron. No, it's, a, it's, <laughs> a, it's an electrical socket tester, so they can or wire. You can put this outside of a wire, and it'll tell you if it has oh, if it's hot. That, that is interesting. Yeah. Crazy. All right, okay, number two. Go. Question two. Would you rather dance naked while being pelted with fruit? Or sit naked in the sand at the beach. I love this question. I'm not sure I haven't actually danced naked and been pelted with fruit before. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure I would have been I'm there not, for that. I'm not sure that hasn't happened. Uh, I Challenge would rather accepted. do that. Than, I would rather do that than sit sand. Naked no in sand. sand. Oh, I uh, so there was a scene in this Ugh. movie. We didn't talk about it very much. Uh, it was mentioned, but. I didn't understand that guy didn't seem like he was like a court jester or anything. He seemed like he was part of the part, part of the well, parliament. I, and they yeah. were just so like I fucking thought, around. Was it, I thought maybe cool. And he was laughing through it. Right. So he was kind yeah. of like in on it. I thought maybe it w was supposed to be like he lost a bet. Yeah, I was probably I there was know. a I big. Think it was that was just supposed to highlight oh, the gambling the culture was super interesting, too. It seemed like there's a big gambling culture. Yeah. Way interesting. Oh, yeah. Anyway, huge blank. Number three blank. Is my favorite Emma Stone movie. Ooh. The favorite's probably my favorite movie she was in in terms of quality movie, but I love Easy A. Uh, I've never seen I love, that. I love Super Bad. Scarlet Letter, right? Um, oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's a great movie. I highly recommend it. Um, I actually like La La Land. Land. Mm. Never saw I that. was a fan. Couldn't yeah. make it through the first five minutes. Yeah, I I actually really liked La La Land. I, I'm going to go with the favorite, but with the caveat that I might I could think about this more and change it. I I I really like Emma Stone. I think she's very underrated yeah. in many respects. And hopefully we'll see. I, I yeah, I think she. I don't know if she's underrated. I think she's getting pretty gigantic. I right? think she's great. I mean, I think yeah, she should have. <laughs> well, in the sense, I thought I thought I thought her performance was the best in the movie. Oh, fair. That's if, good. If I had to give the best, uh, if I don't know so how they I, decide, like, uh, like actress versus supporting actress. Like, if she is that me, like a mathematical and, equation? Is it like yeah, minutes sometimes on it's a game. Mm -hmm. It's it's a game. They think that they can win. Like for example, Brad Pitt was just as much a star of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right. in my opinion, is. But he picked this, and now he's winning every award. Yeah. Let me put it this way: If Emma Stone was British, I think she would have won the Oscar. Mm. And I said this when Katie and I were texting back and forth. I said, if Greta Gerwig's name was Greg Gerwig, I think she would be the front runner for the Oscar for Best, best Director this yeah. year. I think that's just how it plays out. Because after seeing Little Women, the fact that she was not nominated oh my God. for Best Director um, it's is insane. Yep. Which is for a whole other episode because we'll do Little Women at some point. We have to. Yeah. It's so just, good. It's gorgeous. So good. All right, so number well four, our favorite question. Who is your favorite historical royal? Any countries, king, queen, prince, or princess? And we wanted to know from your historical per perspective. Yeah. Sort of. mm -hmm. uh, my favorite is Mr. probably uh, Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> he tried to broach Wait, the no, world no, no. of no, man no, no. and mer person. I think this must be a true, per a true. Oh, a true person. A true person. Uh, Real person. I uh, do not like royals. I have no like... interest mm -hmm. in them. Uh, I would say probably Queen Elizabeth the uh, first, who was a a truly great oh, leader. Right. Mm. If you would like a porcelain doll of her to put <laughs> no. in the office or it's your classroom, terrifying, Brian. I might be able to get that. For uh, there's you. a horror Ooh. movie waiting to happen about this doll. <gasps> I want it's the perfect a prop for this episode. Doll. Oh my God! Yeah, where was Please, it? Do we have two minutes? No, we yes, do not answer have. Answer the last question. Answer the no, no, no. Do it as part of fact right, check. Next deep week. Thoughts. You can have the porcelain doll. <laughs> Would you let Jerry comfort you if you had gout? No. <laughs> He's your best friend, there Brian. Be, there'd be nothing. He's your childhood best friend. Yeah, I don't. I first of all, I'm still not sh sure. Uh, I. Think if I had gout, I I don't know what I would do. That looked horrendous. Uh, nothing looked good about. No. Though, to be fair, in modern time period, I feel like there's probably some lotions or ointments that could deal with these. Considering Emma Stone <laughs> just went out to a forest and crunched up some. Yeah, Emma Stone like, took care of it by things. just crunching up some green leaves. Uh, Kitty's no. bringing and back I, a, a a doll coffin. 
Okay. Uh, well, we'll put a picture of this porcelain doll. Yeah, you don't. On you don't. No one wants media. to see this. It's I, terrifying. I, oh, sweet Jesus! That thing is horrifying. What? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like it. That? He doesn't like it. Take it away. That looks like a suffragist. Who is that? <laughs> he said she looks like a suffragist. She's very. She's very. Historically yeah, I. No, I. Don't. Wait, she was that tall? Okay, hold that. He said she's. Don't. I'm not. Why do I hold her? All right. Uh, Katie said she's very historically accurate. I said she was that tall. All right. I Um, am. All right. We're done with five questions. Uh, Yeah. Make make sure you like, uh, share, subscribe. Holy shit, dude. There's another one. Where are you getting these things from? Oh, these are mine. Is this like one of those things I had to do that one time where I helped clean out Katie's aunt's like apartment no katie's not listening so it took me eight hours to do one time he wants to know did this come from your aunt Ann's apartment where he had to clean it clean them out for eight hours no of course these are from my brother doug please oh these are we will put pictures up for these Uh, doug's the third missing queen oh oh god this is you know what this is one of those episodes where if you're solely an audio listener you're you're missing out no you're not missing out you're winning. You're winning. Uh, yeah, next true. week. Hey, all right. Is. Next week. Okay. Please stop. I'm begging <laughs> you. Stop. Uh, next week. Are you making we'll her kiss your face? You're oh my God. Kiss your this face. is like a nightmare. This is terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying what is going on. Here they have right little now. doll hands. Like, <laughs> oh my God. This is this is like the next Ari Oster uh, horror film. This is the sequel to Midsummer. What is happening right now? Is, is terrified by this. Oh god! Uh, next week we're doing our Valentine's episode. Uh, this year we're doing. Uh, I originally had wanted to do another Nicholas Sparks film, um, but god. instead yes. we actually picked a good movie. Uh, we picked About Time. Uh, oh so, yeah! So which is streaming? I can't remember. Wait, it's on Prime or Netflix. Week? Yeah, that's next week? week. Oh, that's exciting. Next week. And this is Richard time. Curtis again. Richard Curtis. We love Richard Curtis. This one is of our, our third listeners. Richard Curtis movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of our listeners was at a place from the notebook. Is that the movie theater? Yes. They walk yes. outside yes. of the movie Charleston. Aaron Charleston. Was there. Aaron Powers was there and felt uh, kindly to share a picture with us. If it snows next week, our backyard can double as the war scene. Oh, you should shoot that. Do some stills. Get some stills from it. I actually originally had thought we should just continue to watch The Notebook every Thanksgiving. I still contend. I still contend. Budget to, to, to results. That scene is the worst scene we've seen in any movie yet. That was Mazes and Monsters territory. It was close. Yeah, and Mazes and Monsters did not have that money. I feel like they put no money into that. I still will argue uh, that uh, The Notebook is better than Pretty Woman. Oh, yeah. I've I've come to a a, a hot take on that. Completely feel that way. Um, Uh, Trish Bradley, you're telling me you don't want pictures of these? I'm confused. Hello. This, this perfection? These things are think, terrifying. This Hello. is just Put an accident. These dolls online. Let people see them. <laughs> it is terrifying. All right. Uh, we will be back next week with About Time, and it's about time. Let them eat go. cake. Oh, that was good. Do oh, we have any more nice. gout puns? Very nice. Does anybody have another gout pun to share? Before Rub we go? my foot. Oh, gout, gout, gout. A gout time? I was out of the mindset. Mm, I don't have it. I don't have it. We're out of here. All right. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.